0: Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of Jesus and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, "'Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, "'Doctor, cure yourself, "'and you will say, "'Do hear also in your hometown "'the things that we have heard you did in Capernaum.'" Then Jesus said, "'Truly I tell you, no prophet "'is accepted in the prophet's hometown.'" But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the land of, in the time of Elijah, When the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land, yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage, They got up, drove Jesus out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. Do any of you remember, you'd have to be, I guess, my age or older, the Smothers Brothers comedy hour that was on television? A few baby boomers and older. It was on many, did I say many years ago? I was a kid, and I recall the zany, teasing, self-deprecating humor between the two brothers. You see, Tommy and Dick would always end up arguing Tommy was always a bit slow, so Dick came off as a bit arrogant and self-righteous, and whenever they sparred, Tommy would divert to his predictable line, Mom always liked you best. Now, that wasn't the greatest comeback of all time, but it got the audience going. Do parents really have favorites? Sometimes probably unconsciously if they do. I don't know what my brother would say, I'll have to ask him later. We all have favorites of some kind, the hometown team around here that can devolve into a Cubs or Sox rivalry. And some people become teachers, pets. Bosses may play favorites with employees, but surely not around here, right? And there are a lot of people that believe that we are a favored nation. Maybe more advanced, more democratic, more blessed by God than any other nation on earth. These days, there are accusations of favoritism all the time. Discrimination, prejudice, bias, lawsuits whether because of race, or religion, or gender, or orientation. But I wonder, does capitalism play favorites toward the haves rather than the have-nots? Does the Supreme Court play favorites to certain interest groups? It's almost like we're wired to play favorites, to stick to our own kind, to watch out for ourselves, even if it means offending or harming someone else. Well, it was hard to miss this morning, the all-time favorite wedding passage from 1 Corinthians 13. How many little mini-wedding homilies have you heard on this text, extolling two people for the gift of love, two married people? The problem is, in its original context, this passage has nothing, nothing to do with marriage. Now, we can apply Paul's principles about love to marriage and family and relationships, but what a treat to have this passage on a cold winter day instead of, before this church was air-conditioned, a hot human day in the summer with the wedding party perspiring, trying to pay attention to my homily when what was really on their mind is drinking and dancing at the reception, right? Right? The Corinthians are playing favorites. They're dividing into factions, identifying with their preferred leader. They're taking each other to court. They're motivated by power. Some are sleeping around. They're trying to outdo one another and who can be the most super spiritual. And they're bickering over everything, calling each other out on the issues of the day, For them, food sacrificed to idols, or celibacy, or circumcision, or head coverings for women. And the meal around bread and wine has devolved into drunkenness and gluttony, which means by playing favorites, the ones who are left behind are the poor. Oh my, how often do we call each other out with impassioned hatred on the issues of our day? Abortion, critical race theory, climate change, and, of all things, masks. What if we heard Paul's words about love with all of this in mind? That love doesn't insist on its own way. That it bears all things. That it is there for the sake of the other, especially the vulnerable other. All our religiosity means nothing if it's not grounded in this kind of divine love. More about the other and less about ourselves. Of course, I don't have to tell you that a lot of religious people do think that God plays favorites. And you're on the winning side if you're a Christian. Somehow you are better than those who make poor choices or make a mess of their lives. So when Jesus goes back to his hometown... In today's gospel, we expect him to be the Darling of Nazareth, their favorite son, the one everybody's been talking about now back home. But did you hear it? The hometown folk get offended because Jesus isn't playing to his audience. He's not trying to get likes or shout outs or spontaneous amens from the congregation. Jesus claims that God doesn't play favorites ever. Oh dear, this is not going to end well. Jesus says that he's standing in the prophetic tradition with those who have gone before him, and that prophets aren't accepted in their hometown, that prophets pay the price of speaking out. And did you hear, even as a boy, Jeremiah wanted to resist this call. But he would later call the people out for their unfaithfulness in another time of political and social unrest. Now, let's not be so harsh on these Nazareth people. After all, they are good folk. They thought that they knew their hometown boy, Joseph's son. But now Jesus comes back from being away like he has a chip on his shoulder— God doesn't play favorites? You mean we're not better than the Gentiles? Or enter whatever word we want to say today, and the people are peeved. No surprise that folks get upset about immigrants and migrants today. No surprise that people's buttons get pushed by talk of Black Lives Matter. Of course, all lives matter. Sure, God loves all people. But the point is, for generations, we've treated some people as if they didn't matter. And it's time to make reparations for that. So you can understand the people's rage. Red-faced, they lose control. They turn into a mob. And they drag Jesus to a hill to hurl him off the cliff. Cliffhanger indeed, pun intended. But look what happens. Jesus walks right through the crowd. Who is this one who comes to us as one unknown? Jesus walks right through the riotous rage and anger. Jesus passes right through our divisions. Jesus passes right through our favoritism. Jesus passes through our arrogance and self-righteousness. Jesus passes through our narrow-mindedness and walks on to his calling. He walks on to his mission. He walks on to embody a love that does, does not insist on its own way, does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Jesus passes on to those on the margins lives that matter to God. And because of such divine audacity, Jesus will be dragged to another hill to die on a cross. I know this because I've heard it from so many of you, that for many people, Holy Trinity's welcome statement is their favorite thing about this church, that we welcome one another because God does not play favorites. Yet, let's be honest, our love is imperfect. Despite all our trying here or in our lives, we pretty much stick to our own kind and fear anything that upsets our comfortable lives. But because God's love never ends, because divine love is patient and kind, because the love of Christ is nearest to the brokenhearted, we dare to follow this Christ, the one who comes in love as once he came by flesh and blood and birth for every child of earth, as we will sing in a moment, for every child of earth. As we gather on this Sunday, on this Lord's Day that we love, we again gather around the word of God and around this meal that breaks down barriers. And as we will reflect on Holy Trinity's mission at the annual meeting, may divine love infuse us. That with Jesus, we will walk through favoritism. That we will walk with him to passion and purpose, and that we will walk to all whom God is calling us. Amen.